welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. So I'm going to read uh, uh, just a handful of verses here, starting from verses uh, 12 all the way to 18. And Paul is writing a letter to a group of Christians at Corinth. And He's setting up for the last part of this letter. It's pretty important what he says. And the preceding verses uh, establish it very well. But then he says this uh, in verse 12. He says, Now about your brother Apollos, I urged him to visit you with the other believers, but he wasn't willing to go right now. He'll see you later when he has the opportunity. Verse 13. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. If there's ever a word for God's church right now, there it is. And do some things with love. Just making sure we're awake this morning. Do everything with love. You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece, and they are spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. I am very glad that Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus have come here. They have been providing the help. You weren't here to give me. They have been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. You must show your appreciation to all who serve so well. I'm going to ask, uh, Rain, if you could stand up for us and read from the message translation. Would you do me a favor, friends, and give special recognition to the family Stephanus? You know, they were among the first converts in Greece, and they've put themselves out, serving Christians ever since then. I want you to honor and look up to people like that, companions and workers who show us how to do it, give us something to aspire to. I want you to know how delighted I am to have Stephanus, Fortunatus, Achaicus here with me. They partially... They partially make up for your absence. They've refreshed me by keeping me in touch with you. Be proud that you have people like this among you. So here we have Paul writing some final words to a group of Christians. And he's, he's talking about these three champions. These three champions uh, that he refers to actually in the first chapter of the letter. Now these were some converts that he actually baptized. He knew them. And he refers to uh, Stephanus and his household here. And uh, it's really interesting. He says that you know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece. And all the Grecians shouted, hip, hip, hooray. And he commends these three gents to the Corinthians. This is not the only time that Paul writes in a letter and he recognizes people that were just there that have served and ministered. It's not an uncommon practice for Paul to do this. As believers, when we read the Bible, we kind of 
tend to naturally pay attention to the big hitters or the ones that do the miracles and the signs, the ones who write the letters or who letters have been written to. And we can often gloss over some of these little footnotes. But to Paul, these gentlemen were no footnotes. Today, my assignment is to share with you a message titled, A Shout Out to the Unsung Heroes. Shout out to the unsung heroes. There are plenty of unsung heroes in our church community. Maybe you feel like an unsung hero. Well, you need to know in God's economy, when we're doing His work and we're appreciating others in His name, there are no real unsung heroes. We might be unsung in the natural, but He sings about us incredibly. Here we see Paul write about three gentlemen that we are talking about thousands of years later. Thousands of years later. And I want to just pull up on a few of these points. And I want to start off in verse 15 and 16, if we can pull on that, pull up on that together on the screens. It says, You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece. And they are, watch this, and they are spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. They're new believers and they laid down their lives. They're new believers and they laid down their lives. We don't know that, we don't read that, we don't find out that they are pastors or leaders that they're financially supported. They're just new Christians. And they laid down their lives in service to other believers. If you're taking notes, write this down, that a life laid down is a life lifted. A life laid down is a life lifted. We live in a world that is constantly trying to feed our narcissistic tendencies and promote ourselves. It's like we've got to sell ourselves all the time, like we're in a constant interview on social media. We're constant interview with our friends, and we've got to kind of big note ourselves. Well, that's not how the kingdom of God works. These gents laid down their lives, and God, through the Apostle Paul elevated them to the stature of us talking about them and looking to them as an example over 2,000 years later. They're devoted. He brags about their devotion to serve. Maybe you've come this morning and you feel like you've been serving your whole life or maybe you've come through a season where you are tirelessly giving of yourself and you're just feeling like, I'm laying down my life constantly. And it feels like, to what end? Well, you need to know in God's economy, He sees you. And He is celebrating you. And as you lay down your life in Jesus' name, you will be lifted. See, our job is to doing the laying down. That's our job. Our job is to do the humbling. His job is to do the lifting. His job is to do the raising. In the kingdom of God, selfless, sacrificial servanthood is a kingdom flex. It just is. It's the strength and the power of the kingdom of God. Let's look at Jesus. This always comes back to Jesus. Jesus wasn't a self-promoter. He let his father by the Spirit do that. Jesus laid down his life. In fact, it was Jesus himself who came to serve. 
to serve his life as a ransom, to give his life as a ransom for many. It was Jesus who willingly got up on a cross and gave up of his life. He sacrificed. It was Jesus that laid down his life. And so as we celebrate communion, Globeburn shared so wonderfully today about communion, what we are doing is we are participating in the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus. As Jesus has given up his life, as he has laid down his life, we are in union with him and we are, in a sense, being buried with him so that we can be lifted up with him also. Here is a call for us in the family to continually allow, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a laying down of our lives for God's glory. As soon as you enter a marriage, you understand the importance of this, of giving your life to the person you've committed to. As soon as you have children, even more so, you understand what it is. Man, you ain't got no life at that point when you've got children. But can I just, can I just tell you what I've found? It's, it's in my selfless, sacrificial service to my children that I find fulfillment in Jesus. Man, alive yesterday... And the day before, running around Spotlight and Big W and Kmart and then Spotlight again to find these blinking Mexican outfits for my girls. And they're changing their minds on the colors and the ribbons. And then I've got my hot glue gun yesterday, gluing stuff to their dresses, burning my fingers, going, what the dickens am I doing here? I've lost my life. But alas, I'm finding it in Jesus. You truly find your life when you lose it. Mother Teresa says this, faith in action is love. And love in action is service. We can by extension then say that you can serve without loving, but you can't truly love without serving. So as God's people, the demonstration of our love shows itself in the way that we serve to one another. We serve each other. Let's go, if we can, to uh, kind of like a heavy-hitting passage of the Bible, perhaps for some of us, Mark chapter 10 and verse 37. Mark chapter 10 and verse 37 to 45. I love this passage. I love this passage. What did I say? Did I say? It's not Mark, it's Matthew. Matthew. I love that passage too, but I love this one. So Jesus uh, speaks to his disciples. He says, if you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Amen or ouch? That's it. Once we pledge allegiance to Jesus, he's first. He's not second or third or fourth or fifth. He's first before everyone else. He goes on to say, if you love your son or your daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. Amen or ouch? Mm. 
He's down the line, isn't he, Jesus? If he's first, he's got to be first. If he's Lord, he's got to be Lord. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you'll be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will be surely rewarded. I kind of changed verse 42. If you give even a cup of hot coffee to one of these, the least of my followers. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, my brothers and sisters, my disciples, let go of your life. Let it go. Let go of your sense of what is yours and, and, and what you need to cling to. Whether it be your money, whether it be your reputation, whether it be your need for affirmation and recognition. He says, let it go. Let go of your need to be right all of the time. Let it go. I could sing a song about that right now. Let it go, let it go. A Mexican, don't you know? <laughs> Sorry. Jesus says, if you really want to experience life in me, let it go. Cling to the cross. And in doing so, you'll find life eternal. When you minister, when you serve, even if it's just something as simple as a glass of water, you're not just doing it to that person, you're doing it to me. Now that's a reminder for me because I must remember that when I minister in the name of Jesus to someone, it's as though I'm ministering to Jesus himself. Which means there is nothing so small or insignificant that won't make a difference. I had a dream last night in the middle of the night, no doubt connected to this, and I saw myself as I was preaching that message, I saw some people standing up with a t-shirt it says, been there, done that. Been there, done that. I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just telling you that was in a dream I had last night. But I wonder if that mentality sometimes creeps into our minds. Oh, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I've been there. I've done that. I've served. Oh, I've been through that phase of my life. Oh, no, I'm in the latter years now. I'm in the golden years. It's all about me, me, me. I'm just going to enjoy my nest egg. I'm going to go around the world now. I'm not going to care about anyone else. I've cared about everyone else my whole life. I don't find that in the Bible. I don't find it. I never graduate from serving. Never. And so that means for me, this is for me, not to you, because there are a lot of angels and, and holy people in the room. This is just to me now. The moments where I felt like I'm at the end of myself, I cannot give anything more, instead of saying no, I must be saying, God, how? God, what are you going to do? I have found that it's in my lack when I realize I'm at the brim and I can't do any more, I exercise discernment and wisdom. Either I do tap out and spend time with God, 
Or I say, God, I need your grace for what you're calling me to. If I did everything in and of my own strength, I wouldn't need God. But that's why we rely on the grace of God. Grace is not just a ticket into eternal life. Grace is a means of empowerment. It's the very person, the very presence of Jesus in that situation. I need God's grace every single day. And without my dependence on the grace in Jesus, I'm going to burn out. Perhaps you're in the room today and you've said, I've experienced burnout before. I'm never going to go there again. I'll submit to you to take that to the Lord. That's between you and the Lord. A life laid down is a life lifted. It says in verse 17 and 18 of 1 Corinthians. I'm very glad that Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus have come here. I'm very glad. They have been providing the help you weren't here to give me. They have been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. I'm going to read from the ESV on that. I just like how he puts it. I rejoice, Paul says in verse 17. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have made up for your absence. For they have refreshed my spirit as well as yours. They have refreshed my spirit. Think about that. What did they do? They just served. They ministered. And they refreshed him. Have you ever had someone serve you in a small way or large way and you've just felt so refreshed? Perhaps they've come and just given you a gift, given you a card, given you an embrace. And it's been more than that to you. It's just, it's caused for a sense of internal joy to come or refreshing to come. Like a cold glass of water on a hot summer's day. I can't tell you the times I remember moments in my life where someone has given me, like a Karen Gomez, she gives me a nice bit of curry. When I'm at the office, she comes and drops it off. Or an Yvonne Lim, she just makes a little bit of extra stir-fried noodles and gives it to me. See, I'm feeling affirmation through food. I better get off food at the moment. Or Narelle Sowett, who's been cutting my hair for several years now. I just, I just, that just brings me joy. It kind of, it just, it just, I don't know. I don't know what, what it is for you when people have done something nice for you, kind to you, it's refreshed you. Because our ministry to others can open a joy doorway to them. Our ministry to others can open a joy doorway to them. Never underestimate your deed. However insignificant you feel it may be, never underestimate what that does for someone else. It could unlock a joy doorway in them. And that's what we see with Paul. Paul ministers. Get some people saved. Verse 16 of chapter 1, he refers to the household of Stephanarchus. Baptizes them. They lay down their lives in service to other believers and they are examples of ones who minister to them and to Paul and it refreshes Paul and then Paul commends them and we're talking about him many years later. 
when we came in this morning, you would have seen some people on the door. Perhaps it was a Perio Rumacanon. Perhaps it was a Rebecca Barnett on the door. Did it not bring you joy when you saw their smiley faces? Did it not bring joy? In the hospitality area, if you see Pete Lampard or Pete Mauling, you see Karina in there, you see other people making coffees and teas. Does it not bring you joy? Does it not open something in your heart? Just unlock something in your heart? Never underestimate what you may feel is menial in the heart of someone else. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 5 to 6, you haven't got this one, Wes, but I'm going to, if we can, turn there. Acts chapter 6. Verse 5 and 6, I might read through to verse 8. Actually, I'll tell you what, we'll go a little bit uh, to verse 3 if we can, Wes. Thanks, I'm putting you on the spot there. So keep in mind that, that the early Christian church is exploding. It's going gangbusters and they're going to have to make some changes here. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom. This is important. Good reputation, spirit and wisdom. Whom we will appoint to this duty. What was the duty they were talking about? Waiting on tables. <laughs> the food ministry was going nuts. And they needed some more people to wait on tables and serve people to those, serve food to people that those that need it. Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, Nicholas, proselyte of Antioch. They set, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and lay hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Notice how that ministry there was seen as so significant. Men of good reputation, full of faith and of the spirit, not to preach the word, to wait on tables. That was a key ministry. Waiting, serving, ministering. Never underestimate what you might feel as menial at the moment. Maybe you're a stay-at-home parent and you're like, this is so menial. This is so... Don't underestimate what you're doing there. Don't underestimate what you're doing there. Maybe you're out um, at work. You're in the education sector. You're in the government sector, you're in business enterprise. Never underestimate your disposition with which you serve. It is significant. Do you know what happened after this? After we read this, um, the word of God then continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiply, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So many people got saved. And do you know, out of interest... Stephen, who was appointed at that point, Stephen was the first martyr. 
he was serving food, but he had the honor of becoming the first martyr who first saw Jesus as he was being stoned. Isn't that interesting? Philip became a powerful evangelist that took the gospel to Samaria. That's just those two. Faithful in the little things, you could be entrusted to be faithful in the greater things. There is nothing too small by way of service in God's economy. Shout out to everyone in this family where you are giving of your life sacrificially in the name of Jesus. Thank you. The Lord is commending you. why many of us are so reluctant to give of ourselves I'm not just talking about in a church community I'm talking about in our lives through work through family through education through vocation whatever it might be for you what what are those things that cause us to be so apprehensive with giving of ourselves to other people without getting paid I wonder what it is. Is it fear? Is it apathy? Is it um, concern of becoming short, having a shortfall in finances? Is it what, what? What is it that stops us? And I wonder if that's a question that we should continually bring to the Lord that stops us from giving of ourselves to others. Previous experience, previous hurts. I look around the room and I see amazing people. I see Sharon Bazidis who has a history of working with plants at home and, and albeit she would talk to her earthworms at home and her plants. I won't hold that against you, Sharon. Sharon takes that gift and that heart and she brings it to assist all to one students doing pot plant sales, doing the veggie gardens all around the back there. Incredible work. I see Connie Meachin, um, who has a background in administration, an organization who comes and she assists and serves and helps administrate and organize so wonderfully well. It's incredible the amount of people that just give of themselves. I see Rose Loma, who was ministered to through the bread program a couple of years ago, would come out. I remember having chats with you, Rose, and now you're kind of helping run the situation on Fridays, Saturdays. It's really quite interesting from God's perspective what He sees when He looks at us serving one another. So when He saw Paul ministering to these three men and these three men ministering then to Paul and then Paul then commending to the others. I also find it interesting as a footnote here that these three men laid down their lives in submission to God's people. And then Paul tells those people, the Corinthians, to submit to them and those types of people. It was like submission stimulated submission. And right there, I think, is a key message for us. That the key to authority is submission. 
And in God's economy, he is the one that first initially submits to us by giving up his life. It's in us laying down our lives that that's the example of Christ. And in doing so, Paul then says, those types of people that lay down their lives, submit to them. Submit to the ones that are submitted to you. Submit to those leaders that have laid down their lives to you. How much easier is it for us to follow and come under the care of a leader who's actually lovingly honoring and submitted to them? So much easier. As opposed to coming under an authoritarian tyrant. That's the picture of Jesus. Our God is a God who lovingly lays down his life for us. And we see that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. In John chapter 13, we can read of that. That a rabbi, that a teacher, that a master would wash the dirty feet of the ones whom he was teaching and leading. That's my king. That's my king. And we have that king living in us, wanting to be squeezed through us. Final point, sacrificial service has supernatural significance. Sacrificial service has supernatural significance. Paul says, give recognition to these people. Show your appreciation to all of these people who serve so well. Why did God put that in? God is looking to honor those people in the heavenly realm. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23 and 24. Check this out. I love this verse. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I feel like that's a message for someone this morning. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Not for men. You're not doing this to please people. You're doing this for God. Let's go on. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. Who's going to give the reward? God is. God himself. You are serving the Lord Christ. A few weeks ago, from Mark chapter 12, I shared... A message where we discussed how Jesus, he, he, he wasn't swayed by the opinions of people or the approval of people. And neither should we. We shouldn't live for their affirmation. Because if we live for the approval of men, we'll die by their criticism. However, every single one of us intrinsically, we have a desire to be celebrated. We have a desire to be affirmed. We don't live for it. But to be affirmed and recognized and appreciated is built into us, hardwired into us, I believe, because God wants us to know that we belong and we matter in the sense of community and in relationship. When you say you appreciate something about me, that says to me, oh, thank you for that. I'm not going to deflect. Oh, no, it was not. Thank you, because that says to me, oh, what I see, what I say, what I do matters. In the sense of community, we, we belong together. And so all of that sacrifice 
that we give, that we lay down, that we submit to one another, may it now have a response. Paul is telling these disciples, he says this, You must show your appreciation to all who serve well. You must. You must show your appreciation to all who serve so well. Oh, but what if they get a big head? What if they get a big head if I appreciate them too much? What if their head explodes from the overwhelming sense of celebration for what they've done? That's their business. That's their business. We're compelled to celebrate and appreciate. That's one of the great languages of God's kingdom. It's appreciation and gratefulness for one another. And by doing so, we're celebrating God in the process. Do you know, as a father, I look at my three girls. And when they thank each other for things, that just warms my heart to no end. When I see them appreciating each other for helping with, e with different things, that does good for me. And I wonder if God the Father is so warmed as we honor one another. I wonder if this is why he put that in there. That we are compelled, we are commanded to appreciate each other that serve, particularly those that serve so well. Um, we don't do it for the appreciation, but it's nice when we get it. In Mark chapter 14, there's the story of the alabaster jar. Gary and I were talking about this on Friday. And we also see an account of the alabaster, the alabaster uh, jar, the alabaster box in Luke's account and in Matthew's account. And Mary of Bethany um, is at Simon the leper's house. And Jesus is there. Remember, Jesus is the great foot washer. He is the one that started this. But Mary decides she's going to get in on the act. So she gets this very, very, very expensive fragrance, this very expensive oil, and she breaks this box, this alabaster box, and pours it all over Jesus' feet. And she wipes Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, some of the disciples there are thinking, what a waste. How could she do this? That money could have been used elsewhere. That could have been given to the poor. Jesus says, hey, back the truck up and leave her alone. Jesus says... Listen, what she is doing is actually prophetic. She's preparing me for my burial. But what she's doing is incredible to me. It's worshipful. Her act of selfless, sacrificial service to Jesus had spiritual significance. And in fact, it says, let me turn there. Mark 14, let's make sure I'm not making it up. It's around about verse 9. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Her name is not mentioned in this passage. Not mentioned. But Jesus refers to her and what she does. How many acts of service do you do in secret? And you overlook its significance. But in an eternal sense, it's being celebrated. Never underestimate whatever deed you do in the name of Jesus. For his glory, everything we do 
may be done to the glory of Jesus. May we never underestimate our contribution. As we finish, what we're talking about here today is not rocket science. This is 101 in God's economy. But do you know, when we take these principles of servanthood or even servanthood leadership and we discuss them out in the secular world, they think it's incredible. I still get asked to speak to secular audiences about leadership. And when I do, I just talk about this sort of stuff. Jesus Christ himself, who demonstrated what it was to lead. How did he lead? He wasn't so uh, concerned or caught up with getting more followers. That's not, that wasn't his number one. It, he just spoke the truth. And he was on a mission. To love and love through sacrificial death. He gave up his life for us. To what extent do we serve? Till we realize there's nothing in me. It's all him. We don't just got to serve. We get to serve. You know the greatest hero we can sing about with all of this is Jesus himself. It's Jesus. Jesus' spirit lives inside each of us. And you know, he is calling for us every day to give, to serve, to minister in ways that are so unconventional. Serving doesn't just start and stop on a Sunday morning. We all know that, right? That's a given. Most of our service is when we leave those doors and we head out into the world. Perhaps this morning it's just a reminder and an encouragement for us to keep our eyes on Jesus and let him serve and minister through us and see that as we minister to those, we're actually giving God glory. We're actually lifting him up. We're ministering to him in a sense. Can we pray? We thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you on a weekend like this where we get to celebrate the unsung heroes, not just the ones holding a microphone, but all the people in our church community, be it behind the counters and the foyers or people that uh, work on the books, people that serve out in the children's ministry, people that are out in the car park, Lord. We, we get to celebrate people that are behind the scenes, the vast majority of us. Lord, we get to celebrate you in the process. And I ask, Father, for... Anyone this morning that is feeling as though what they do doesn't matter, would you help us be reminded of the truth that it all does and it is not insignificant? Father, I do pray for everyone that is feeling, um, feeling alone in particular at this time of year heading into Christmas, feeling a sense of struggle a sense of anxiety, a sense of even being exhausted. I pray, Father, that you would, by your grace, enable and empower us to thrive and not just survive at this time. I pray in particular, Lord, I pray a blessing 
over everyone that calls this church family their community, their home. And Lord, I ask now for anyone that doesn't yet know you to surrender and find themselves in you today. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.